Paladino Lifetime. This is episode number nine. The day is April 9th, 2008. April 9th, 2008. And yes, this is episode number nine of Paladino Live. One more and we are double digits, baby. We'll have double digit episodes once and for all. And uh, the start of our quest to... Uh, 25, 50, and eventually 100 episodes. So, as yes, that's very much in the plan. But anyhow, we are ready to rock and roll today. We have a lot to talk about. The Minnesota Wild win the division and are going to face the Colorado Avalanche. The Minnesota Timberwolves, well, they're just the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we'll cover them, as that's always the thing to do here on Paladino Live. And eventually we'll get into the Twins someday. As soon as the Wolves probably season is over, then I'll be able to talk maybe some wild and some twins depending on how long the wild survive in the postseason and i'm sure we'll talk a little nhl postseason and nba postseason definitely nba postseason is that is definitely going to be on the docket as uh this is a sports show and uh last i checked hockey and basketball are sports in fact i happen to really love both of them so anyhow paladino live does air on the sportsstuff.com i thank you for downloading we also air on iTunes. I thank you for downloading there for those of you that are on there. We also, though, are on Mediafly now, as I appreciate Dylan putting me on there. So Mediafly, if uh, that is another way to reach Paladino Live. So three gateways to this show. It begins, baby. It begins. And also a reminder, I will be having a Vikings show eventually, probably in the next, oh, month or so, maybe might, might wait until... Um, the preseason or training camp, whatever. We'll, we'll see how it goes. It's kind of hard to say because my schedule is a little uh, inconsistent. And, um, of course, with lawn cleanups on the way, that's going to kind of be tough for about a three-week to month span there. With uh, It's going to be kind of hard to do two shows in that type of span. So, obviously, Paladino Live does get priority as this is the flagship show. So, um, for Paladino the whole Paladino Live empire that's, I hope, going to begin. <laughs> so let's get things started. Now here on the sportsstuff.com, we do have a call-in line, as that is a voicemail line, a reminder to all of you, or for those of you that are new to the program and to the sportsstuff.com, it is a voicemail line, as these are obviously recorded shows for the most part. So you simply call 916-912-4263, that is 916 916- Nine one two four two six three. You address which show you're talking about. You say this show is for the NHL East to West, which is a new show, or uh, Paladino Live, or Celtics Revived. You know, you get the idea, and you opine, as Bill O'Reilly would say. So um, that is the bit. Now, also to mention again, yep, there is a new show here on thesportstuff.com. Yet another show added to this empire, thesportstuff.com. That is growing it is a young empire that's going to take off someday in my opinion now obviously it is an nhl show his two favorite teams are the pittsburgh penguins and san jose sharks as he is a penguins fan that grew up in pittsburgh and uh or the pennsylvania area and moved to san jose so makes plenty of sense there he's talked about the playoffs nhl playoffs as that's what point of the season we're at so hockey fans we haven't forgot about you as uh, obviously there's my show. We talk about the Minnesota Wild and some NHL. And um, there also is 
the Leafs Nation, which is on the sportspodcasters.com. That's kind of like another uh, subsidiary of the sportsstuff.com. Leafs Nation, he talks Toronto Maple Leafs primarily, but also gets into NHL. And, of course, NHL East to West. So there you go. Now, also on the sportsstuff.com, there are message boards that we'd like you to sign up to. And we'd like you to sign up to them as soon as possible because uh, we're growing and we want more of you on board as people continue to sign up, which I'm very happy to see. As the more the merrier and the more we all grow together. Now, it's as simple as clicking on the, the TSS Boards button on the upper right corner of the website. And um, you just basically sign up. It's 100% free and 100% fun. As we talk sports, we debate, we uh, talk trash, whatever you want to do. I'm pretty much just a mild-mannered person on there, but not everybody else has to be. So there you go. Now, also, Paladino Live, I chat on Yahoo Messenger. It is Paladino Live, one word, also on AOL Instant Messenger or AIM. Paladino Live, one word, and uh, send me a message, talk sports, uh, give me some ideas for the show, whatever you want. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com is my email address, the official email for Paladino Live. And uh, it'll probably be the email for Purple Mafia, I'm guessing, because I'm only going to need one email, to be honest. Um, let's get this, let's get this party started as, yes, the Minnesota Wild did win the division. They won the division. They finally did as they defeated the Calgary Flames. So that is definitely something to talk about. And, um, we will be getting into that when I return. And it is time to talk about the the third seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, we have some home ice advantage here in Minnesota for the first time since, uh, I don't know, probably never. Well, I guess we did have it against the Anaheim Ducks in the 2003 Western Conference Finals, but that didn't work out too good as uh, we were swept four games to zero. That was fun, fun stuff. Um, yeah, we didn't really take advantage of that now, did we? But uh, let's hope we can do that this time. So, yes, division champions at last. It is a really sweet thing. And um, let's just talk about the the game that got us that title. And uh, that was on Thursday, the 3rd of April, last week, about seven days ago. A great night for the Minnesota Wild, a historic night. And, uh, yeah, what's also historic about it is we actually beat the Calgary Flames. That's an accomplishment around here is um, – a guy by the name of uh, Jerome McGinley, perhaps you've heard of him, Minnesota Wild fans, a guy who's the absolute murderer of the Minnesota Wild. It was the last time he played against us, he had a hat trick, a pure hat trick. One, two, three, just three straight goals, and um, that really stuck. But on this particular night, in the XL Energy Center, the Wild defeat the Flames 3-1 to one and uh, finally win the Northwest Division. is just a sweet, emotional night, very emotional as um, I don't remember the North Stars ever really winning the division here, despite the fact they were a great team, and um, in my opinion, they're a great team anyway. <laughs> Not everybody would agree with that. There's so many wonderful memories from the Minnesota North Stars, and uh, this kind of, this was very special, as um, 
It's just we finally get something where it could hang a banner in the arena. Um, as the North Stars, I, as I said, I just don't remember them winning a division title. As uh, I really became a North Stars fan about 1990, so go figure. I wasn't really, uh, like, I didn't really keep up with them as much until that point. Despite the fact I did love hockey, I just didn't get into sports yet until about that point. So, yeah, that's an idea how old I am, because I was already <laughs> 11 years old in 1990. Hint, hint. Now, um... On this particular night, the three stars, Marion Gabrick, Nicholas Backstrom, and Todd Fedorik. Yep, Todd Fedorik, a man who his name continues to be mentioned, as he has been a valuable factor for the squad. Marion Gabrick had two goals and an assist. The captain and the MVP, well, I guess co-MVP, I guess, because uh, Miko Koivu obviously is a MVP for this team as well. They're both very wonderful players for this team. They carry us, but Gabrick on this night, Showed that he, you know, showed why he is the franchise player, and uh, he took the team on his back, like Kirby Puckett used to for the Twins years ago. And uh, yeah, we have a banner to put up in the Excel Energy Center. Now, of course, the Calgary Flames, with only 2:41, you know, 2:41 into the game, took a one nothing lead. Damon Langkow scored his 30th goal of the season, assisted by a familiar name, Jerome McGinley, and Adrian Aukin. But guess what? That was the last goal the Calgary Flames would score. As uh, <sighs> Just a wonderful day. As Marion Gabrick contributed at every single goal, he assisted on Todd Fedorik's sixth goal of the year, which followed um, Langkow's goal. Only about six minutes into the period, so things ready to rock and roll. Pavel Dimitri got the other assist, and uh, Gabrick scores the next two goals, baby. And, uh, oh, boy, you know, off to a division title we go. Dimitra. Pavel Dimitra and Keith Carney assist on Gabrick's 41st goal of the year. And then Kim Janssen and Sean Hill, there's Sean Hill's name again, assisting on Marion Gabrick's 42nd goal of the year, which was a beauty, where he just basically took the puck and just tore down the ice, and uh, away we go. This is our night, not your year, not your night, Calgary, despite the fact you've dominated us all year. And that's pretty much what Marion Gabrick said with that goal, as that was all she wrote. A very, very sweet night for Minnesota hockey fans. Absolutely terrific. And um, the only hope is we can carry it into the playoffs, as the final game of the regular season was pretty much just a, you know, a formality, just finishing things up. Sunday night. At Colorado, April 6th, it was an overtime loss to, well, shootout loss to our future opponent in the postseason, the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, that is right. It was a 4-3 to three loss, as obviously they count the shootout victory as a goal, I guess, or whatever, or a point, whatever you want to say. Mark Parrish opens things up with his 16th goal of the year, assisted by Pavel Dimitra again, and uh, Miko Koivu. But, um, yeah, on this night, it was, uh, for some reason, they put the Avalanche, you know, only the Avalanche and the three stars of the game, Joe Sackick, the captain, the leader, the franchise player of the Colorado Avalanche, getting a goal and an assist. Jose Theodore, a guy the Minnesota Wild are going to get familiar with once again. Um, as he's going to be the goalie we're going to have to score on, dang it. You know, I hope we can actually do it this time. 
unlike we did with Sebastian Jaguer, and uh, I forget who Anaheim had in net last year. It was just another pain in the butt, though he couldn't score on. <clears throat> no, but yeah, Theodore made uh, 35 four saves, and uh, yeah, that was just, he just, you know, they they were just a teeny bit better than us. Josh Harding was in net for us, and uh, Peter Forsberg was the third star of the game with three assists. Yes, Peter Forsberg is back on the Colorado Avalanche, as he was a pain in the butt for the Wild. The last time we played the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs, is that was that emotional um, seven-game series. You know, went to, obviously, the seventh game, went to overtime until Andrew Brunette made that historic goal for the Wild and uh, ended Patrick Waugh's career unofficially, but it became official later <laughs> after that. Um, but anyhow, that is how things go. The second goal of the game was scored by Colorado's Paul Stansny, Peter Forsberg, and Hayduke. Millen Hayduke with the assist. There's another guy that we'll have to worry about is Millen Hayduke, obviously big time. Keith Carney, his first goal of the year, scored on the in the last game of the season. So go figure. Assisted by Pierre, Mark, Bouchard, and Stefan Veyu. And then Joe Sackick was his 13th goal in the third period. Assisted by Peter Forsberg, Paul Sansny. And then Millen Hayduke gets his 29th goal, assisted by Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick. Uh, Ralston ties this sucker up, finally, you know, <laughs> with, uh, oh, about three minutes and 20 seconds left in the game. His 31st goal of the season, assisted by Petre Numelin and Pavel Dimitra. Now, Petre Numelin, of course, is uh, not very physical, but a potential offensive weapon for the Minnesota Wild. You know, he's kind of, he's a small in stature. And the Wild are going to be counting on him in the postseason against Colorado because Nick Schultz has, uh, I believe he had his appendix removed and um, or is in the process of it. And, uh, yeah, there is going to be no Nick Schultz for the Wild in this series, and that's a shame, and possibly beyond, of course, if we get to the second round, if, because that's definitely not a guarantee. This is a divisional, <laughs> you know, division rival against us. We know each other pretty good, so it's going to be a very – very tough series. Um, yeah, I mean, as that's where we're at now, the Minnesota Wild and Colorado Avalanche, this could be another historic series. It could go seven. I officially, on record, am going to say Wild in six, but, of course, that can be totally thrown out the window in, in a heartbeat. Um, but, yeah, the Wild losing a very solid defenseman. Not a guy who can, not a guy who's much of a scorer, obviously, as I've mentioned in the past, Nick Schultz. But uh, yeah, he's a steady defensive player for the Minnesota Wild, and he is not going to be there against this offensive Colorado Avalanche. I mean, that's what they do; they score goals. So, yeah, you have you have Hayduk, you have you have Stansney, you have Sackick, you have uh, um, Forsberg, of course. It's, this is just going to be a tough series for the Minnesota Wild. You know, I could be forgetting some other very talented players. Uh, for Colorado, and that's just the way this is going to be. Uh, the Wild, obviously, a more offensive-minded team than they were back in 2003, as we were pretty much a grinded-out defensive team who scored pretty much on, uh, you know, a, a, a opposing teams' mistakes, as that's pretty much why Wes Walls took off in the postseason in 2003, is that's what he does, or did, obviously. He retired at the start of the season when he just... Uh, yeah, just wasn't happy with his play anymore. He figured he can't play. But, yeah, um, this is going to be a di very different series than it was the first time. Colorado, very similar, un unfortunately, because Forsberg is back. 
That sucks for the Wild. But, yeah, um, fortunately, the Wild are tougher than they were in last year's series against Anaheim. They have more strong players on this team now. Belanger's a good guy in the faceoff. His numbers, of course, have dropped over the course of the year. He was a huge factor early on, but that's that's how it goes. That's hockey, I guess. But, yeah, Benoit Puglia is going to make his playoff debut if they suit him. I'm not exactly sure if that's going to happen. But, yeah, this year we have the, the likes of Todd Fedorik, who is not just a very tough player, but he also can score here and there. He is a valuable weapon, and the Wild uh, will be using him with Gabrick and Pavel Dimitra as uh, Mike Ramsey, assistant coach Mike Ramsey, did state on the PA and Dubé show on KFAN as um, he is a nice protective force, but also he, you know, he can get it done when 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 need be. As uh, it's not all just Gabrick and Dimitra all the time, of course. Uh, Brent Burns, Brent Burns's role obviously much bigger, and he's going to be huge, very important in this uh, series. Is we're going to probably count on him to try to check Peter Forsberg quite a bit. As uh, yeah, Forsberg still the most deadly weapon on Colorado. As I was wrong on last week's show when I talked about Forsberg's not really doing much. He actually is doing a lot, as he has quite a few points already. As when you look at his stat line for the year, in only nine games he has 14 points. So <laughs> that's not good for the Wild, <laughs> as uh, I, I was uh, I was obviously wrong when I made my comment about about him not really doing much. Yeah, he got hurt right away, but he came back right away. So go figure. That's that's pretty much anybody. That's pretty much our luck to have him rocking and rolling again. But hopefully, hopefully the result's the same. You know, if this is an epic seven-game series, let's let's get it done again. You know, and at least we have we have home ice advantage. I'm, I'm not 100% sure that's a good thing or bad thing anymore. As the Wild have lost many a home game in the postseason, they lost they've lost pretty much I believe every home game against Anaheim, <laughs> or maybe, I guess they won one home game against Anaheim last year. Finally, so they were like what. Uh, <laughs> What were they about? Uh, what one and four at home against Anaheim? That's not too good. As and like five hundred pretty much in the past at home. So I hope I hope the home ice advantage will be a factor for the Minnesota Wild in this series. As you just have one tough player after another on Colorado, but thankfully. We do have Chris Simon as well. He's not the kind of guy who you look at and he's this very valuable player. You know, it's not that, that that deadline trade did not excite anybody here in Minnesota, but he is a presence. And um, when he's not out there trying to cut somebody's uh, ankle off with their with his skate, he is apparently a guiding influence in the locker room. As he actually calmed players down when they were getting pissed off when things aren't going well. It's that's been the that's been the information from the Jacques Lemaires, the Mike Ramseys, and Mario Tremblays, and also the Mark Parishes, as he is a regular guest on the PA and Dubay show on KFAN. As a, I like to listen to him, you know. Also, another guy who wasn't here last year in the postseason and uh, and is a extreme veteran, Sean Hill. He's not the largest guy in the world, but he's a very tough defenseman. He's he's older, but like you've been hearing on the show over and over and over again, he's been been more and more of a factor. For the Minnesota Wild, the last couple weeks, so that is the dilly for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Skula getting tons of playing time of late. Kim Janssen, of course, tons of playing time. Gabrick, tons of playing time. Burns, 
um, Gabrick, tons of ice time. Is they're really counting on him to 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 lead this team? As I'm not 100% sure who's going to be the captain in the playoffs, but I would say he give it to Gabrick. Let him continue to be captain. And here's the, yeah, another thing. Todd Fedorik, like I've been talking about, 18 minutes. That's a lot of time on ice for a guy who you think is just a uh, in, enforcer. So the question now becomes, do you have Simon, Fedorik, and Boogie, Derek Bugard, who returned from injury, returned from injury about, oh, about a week or two ago. I haven't really made much comment on that because of Fedorik's emergence and Chris Simon being here. So, yeah, we have three big, big boys if we need them. Um so that is where the Wild stand going into the playoffs. Again, Wild in six, I hope. So it'd be nice to close it out in Colorado again without having to go to a seventh game. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Adam Foote's back with Colorado. I forgot to mention that. That's not good either. It's Colorado pretty much reassembling a lot of their old weapons. Um, oh, and one final thing I haven't even gotten into, and I don't know why. Minnesota Wild fans obviously love Andrew Brunette, and he was the guy, of course, who scored that final goal to put the dagger in the avalanche season in Patrick Waugh's um, final game. Andrew Brunette is a member of Colorado, as some of you know and some of you don't, and, uh, man, he's been a factor, and the Wilds should never have let him go, as they thought he would not adjust well to the new style of play, the new rules in the NHL after the lockout. But Andrew Brunette is 59 points, so and he's played in every game since he has been on the Colorado Avalanche the past three seasons, 82-82-82. That looks pretty good, huh? So I think Andrew Burnett has adjusted pretty good to the uh, <laughs> the new rules. Of course, last year, when you look at his stat line, he had 83 points. My Lord, have mercy. And then 63 the year before. Yeah. And um, the guy that pretty much replaced Andrew Burnett was... Mark Parrish, who's not even close. I the Minnesota fans love him. Uh, Neil, if you're listening out there, you know he's his Neil. Uh, his favorite player is Mark Parrish. Uh, I just don't think I would rather have Andrew Brunette than Mark Parrish, regardless of where he's from. If you had to pick one or the other, because they pretty much play a similar role, being close to the net, grind it out, and get the you know get the get the close goals when the puck bounces or what have you. But with that, I'm going to conclude this talk on the Minnesota Wild. And um, this is the g- a gigantic series. Let's get this thing done. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to watch it as I don't have to work tonight. Thank God. So, Wild fans, let's get this thing going. Let's have some fun, and let's watch some hockey. Now, it is time to divulge into some NBA basketball with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I have returned. It is time to resume Paladino Live. But before I officially do get into Timberwolves talk, I have to, absolutely have to, make sure that I get to the questions that were on my message board on the sportstuff.com, the Paladino Live message board. That is found in the Anything Goes page, where uh, you simply click on the uh, the thread, as they call it, that says questions for Paladino Live, and uh, state your question, as I do want questions as many as possible. 
as it just it just adds to the show, and we can, I can interact with you, and I'm not just talking to you. I'd rather uh, I'm not just talking to you and nobody talking back with me. I'd prefer to have some interaction here, some conversation, some debate, whatever it is. Um, talk about anything and everything. Vikings, well, anything and everything, sports for the most part. Maybe politics later on, as I've mentioned, that is a possibility. So, um, first and foremost, Steelers girl asks this question. She is, a, of course, a Steelers fan from Pennsylvania, and she wants to know, how do you think the Vikings will be doing, I believe she meant, <laughs> will be doing in week three of the preseason game against the Steelers, and also, how do you think Moel D. Moore is going to do against his former team? Now, yes, uh, first of all, the third game of the preseason, of course, is the most important, as Dennis Green made us all uh, remember against <laughs> when he was talking about the Bears are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. As that is the most famous, um, the most famous press conference uh, explosion in a long time, as that was beautiful. It's all over YouTube. Check it out if you haven't yet. I'm sure you have. Obviously, there's a Budweiser commercial saying that Budweiser is what he thought it was or um, whatever he was talking about. I don't remember. Commercials are goofy and it's really unimportant anyway. But, yeah, this will be an important game for both teams as we'll get to see who's doing what pretty much. Um, well, I do think the Steelers are clearly a better team than the Minnesota Vikings. And um, I'm sorry, Minnesota fans, but that's just the way it is right now until we find out differently. Um I think it'll be an entertaining game, as obviously both teams are going to try hard. Um, we'll get to see Gus Farratt play. We'll get to see if he can still play. I think he probably still can, but most importantly, he'll be able to, you know, be a guiding force for Tavares Jackson, as we won't have young, inexperienced player, uh, a young, inexperienced backup like Brooks Bollinger. Um, I'm sure the Vikings will keep him, of course, as the third stringer. Kelly Holcomb gone, so yeah. Um, I think that'll be an entertaining game. Steelers girl, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter who wins because it is the preseason. It's more or less who goes out and wins their job. You know, goes out and wins a job, shows that they're or shows that they're a capable player. You know, or will Tavares Jackson be capable? Ben Roethlisberger, of course, we'll know is very capable. Sadly, I'm not even sure who Ben Roethlisberger's backup is. I hate to say, but. Um, yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch. I'm sure if it's just like a game where you're trying to win, I'm sure the Steelers would be a heavy favorite because they have so many talented players like Willie Parker and, um, of course, Heinz Ward and Ben Roethlisberger and so many others on the defensive side of the ball. Fortunately, the Vikings have great defense, so it'll be entertaining to watch as you're going to get to see a lot of new faces on the Vikings. Um but also on the Meweldy Moore comment, how do I think Meweldy Moore is going to do against his former team? I'm sure he'll do just fine. As Obviously, he's going to get plenty of playing time as the Steelers will want to see what he can do as it is a preseason game. And guys like him are going to get extra playing time. I like Meweldy Moore, Steelers girl. I like him. And um, the only thing about him, though, that wasn't good in the past year in Minnesota is he is a little injury prone. And Mike Tice got kind of sick of it. With him, you know, he, he got kind of sick of it. It seemed like he was always hurt and didn't really seem to be able to, um, uh, how do you say, you know, really be able to handle injury very well. He, he didn't really seem to be able to handle pain very well. So we'll see. 
I think he's a talented player. He didn't get too many touchdowns ever, as uh, a lot of his numbers over the years are going to see pretty much one or zero touchdowns during his seasons here in Minnesota. But obviously he's a very talented special teams player. I, I like him a lot returning the ball, as I'm sure you will, Steelers girl, if um, if that does become his role in Pittsburgh. So I think he'll do well because he'll want to maybe show the Vikings that they're missing out. As the Vikings have Maurice Hicks to replace him to pretty much fill exactly his role, the third string running back behind the super-duper star Adrian Peterson and the very good Chester Taylor. So that's how things are going to go with that. Um, again, preseason games, you hope and pray no one gets hurt as there's been far too many injuries. But third week of the preseason will be fun to watch. The next question, again, by Dylan Richardson, the administrator and the executive producer of thesportsdesk.com. And uh, I appreciate you continuing to fill up questions for me, Dylan. Is, uh, absolutely. it's Any type of questions are good, and yours are always good. With the Vikings, what does the loss of Richardson as fullback do to the team, and how can they adjust? Well, you lose a very valuable veteran in Tony Richardson, and the thing is, though, he was very injury-prone, and um, the Vikings did sign, as I mentioned last week, Thomas Tepe, former Gopher fullback, and um, his health a few years ago was a major issue, but now, the last two years, he's played all 16 games, so I think the Vikings will have a less injury-prone fullback, I guess you could say younger, but... um. Yeah, you lose a very valuable veteran. And when Richardson is in there, he is about as good a fullback as there is in the NFL. Kind of hard to say what's really going to happen overall. Uh, Peterson, obviously, Peterson and Taylor were better with Richardson being here on this team. So, to be honest, it's it's going to be hard to say. It's up to Thomas Depay. It That's pretty much how it is. Is Thomas Depay valuable? Um, well, with the Eagles running game, the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, with Brian Westbrook and Carell Buckhalter, they seem to do pretty good in Philly with Thomas Depay. So I think I think they'll adjust just fine, to be honest with you, Dylan. So I think it'll be kind of a push, I guess. You'll have a more healthy, younger guy. So we'll see what happens ultimately. And to the next question, also um, – from Heidi, as she actually instant messaged me this question. And I do appreciate that um, I am getting instant, uh, finally instant message questions, as that's also welcomed, as, of course, this was on Yahoo. Paladino Live, one word. You can instant message me questions or comments for the show. As, um, yes, uh, Steelers Girl comment or question is, will the Wild pick Gabrick over Demetra? Look for the sale of The Wild by Bob Negley Jr. to Wisconsin businessman Craig Leopold to be approved by the NHL by the end of the week. The deep-pocketed partnership is expected to significantly increase the chances of re-signing star forward Marion Gabrick, who can become an unrestricted free agent after the season. Um, well, to be honest, yeah, if you had to pick one over the other, yeah, you got to think it's going to be Gabrick over Demetra as... Um, Demetra is inconsistent, he's injury-prone, and he's older. Um, I sure hope they can sign him. They they can sign Gabrick, as uh, he obviously 
has to want to be here. I think he does. But, yeah, it's going to be expensive. And um, I would think the Wild will do what they can to keep Gabrick. Is, uh, yeah, Craig Leopold is a guy that's not afraid to spend money here and there. Uh, Negley was a little bit more conservative with his spending. You know, well, considerably more conservative. As, uh, years ago, he was the Turkey of the Year by Star Tribune columnist Patrick Royce. So for being so cheap and um, and such. But Negley was trying to make sure this is a profitable product before making big moves. And they've, they've made some. Is there a third seed in the, in the Western Conference? So go figure. Uh, yeah, Gabrick definitely going to be a high priority over Pavel Dimitra. It'd be nice to keep them both as they have good chemistry together. Um, Gabrick would probably not be too happy if Dimitra's gone. But, of course, that's part of the business, and that's that. That's also life. Now, Dimitra, again, the frustrating part is we did trade uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, who was a prospect at the time, to get him. Um, Patrick O'Sullivan and the first-round pick we acquired from Edmonton for goalie Dwayne Rolison. So, yeah, we gave up two pretty valuable commodities to get Pavel Dimitra. And uh, do I think the Los Angeles Kings won that trade long-term? Absolutely. Is, uh, I hate to say it, but Patrick O'Sullivan has played pretty much every game for the LA Kings since he's been in the NHL, and he's got about 60 points. And Dimitra's got about, you know, or is it 50-something? I'll give that a check really quick. As, yeah, Dimitra has 54 points in 68 games, so he's not been really out that much. But he's been out enough. You know, that's about, what, about 14 games. So, yeah, that's not the worst, but it's not the best. Um, it's better than, like, say, 40 or 50 games, like he had some of those, some of those in the past. So that's pretty much the dilly with uh, Pavel Dimitra and um to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what's really going to happen. I would think they're going to try to keep both, but in this world, in this league, you just never know. Um, Gabrick has got to be the top priority over anybody on this team, and I do mean anybody, including Koivu, if it comes to that. Yeah, Patrick O'Sullivan played all 82 games. He had 53 points, so, wow, Dimitri had one more point. And, uh, yeah, he's a, a lot older. He's um, 11 years older than Patrick O'Sullivan. So, so yeah, um, and they were talking about how Patrick O'Sullivan might be a little soft. Well, Dimitra's not exactly, uh, <laughs> he's not exactly Todd Bertuzzi, so that's not, let's not be silly here. Patrick O'Sullivan, of course, you know, showing some signs that he's going to be a pretty valuable player. He was a second-round pick, 56th overall, by the Wild in 2003, and, um, we didn't take him that high, or well, he he could have easily been a first round pick. So, um, what I meant to say was we were pretty lucky to have him at that point, and so we traded him. So, <laughs> we'll see what happens ultimately in that dilly. As um, I hope that answers your question, Steelers girl. As there's one final question, Puppet Master, welcome aboard. Welcome to the uh, Paladino Live Show, Puppet Master. Good to hear from you. And his comment or question is, how well developed do you think the Minnesota Wild, or I apologize, Minnesota sports market is compared to the bigger market, such as a New York and L.A.? Is Minnesota nearly as marketable as those places? 
no. <laughs> I'd say no. I I really would. And it, it's unfortunate, as that's just how it goes. There's going to be an East Coast bias and an elitist thing, you know, in those areas. As uh, Yeah, this is L.A. This is New York. You know, what are you going to do to compete with us? Well, there ain't really too much we can do other than uh, Minnesota for hockey is going to attract people. It is a hockey haven, along with Detroit, Michigan, is we're probably the two top cities or, well, city, states, whatever, for um, hockey in terms of college and professional level and, of course, amateur level as well as uh, you have just talented teams, the Minnesota Gophers, the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State Spartans all as well, and tons of Minnesota teams like St. Cloud State, uh, Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota State Mankato, um, very valuable uh, commodities to college hockey. So, um, yeah, we're pretty much bigger in those two areas or in that one sport compared to the rest. As, uh, New York is a basketball haven. L.A. is just a big city, and uh, it's sexy, I guess you could say. It's, you know, it's Hollywood, it's money, it's uh, good weather, it's all that good stuff. So um, Minnesota can't really compete with them, ultimately, no. Um, the Vikings are the only team in Minnesota that really is valuable because they're worth over 600 million bucks as was established by the sale of them uh, about three years ago. So um, hope that answers your question, Puppet Master, and definitely continue to post questions as you're more than welcome to do that. Puppet Master, of course, a, a champion of multiple arcade games here on the sportstuff.com as that's another uh, quirk you can enjoy. On here is uh, there are emulator uh, arcade games on here. Definitely check those out. And now we're going to finally divulge into the Timberwolves. I just had to make absolute sure that I covered those questions because I hate finishing a show and realizing I forgot to get to questions. That's really frustrating. Now, the Wolves have had a very, very tough time the past several games. It has been very tough. 0 for 4. From, um, you know, they were 0-4 against Detroit, Utah, Phoenix, and Memphis. So, and um, the only score that looked really competitive was the Detroit game on Tuesday, April Fools, as the Wolves almost did perform an April Fools joke, defeating Detroit. The thing is, you know why it was close? Well, Flip Saunders pretty much seeded all of his top players, and uh, we were winning by a decent amount in this game until everything fell apart. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the uh, Detroit Pistons, and you look at the top performers, you know, as Yahoo does that. When you look at Rodney Stuckley, or Stucky, I, I'm sorry, as a top performer for Detroit, that tells you something's, uh, something's up. As, uh, yeah, the starting lineup for Detroit in this game, Rodney Stuckey, Hayes, Theo Ratliff, Tayshawn Prince, and Antonio McDice. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only real starter in this game was Tayshawn Prince, and, um, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Theo Ratliff, uh, of course, a former Timberwolf on Detroit. He only played like 16 minutes anyway. He made his one shot, got a rebound and turned over the ball and got a foul. That's great. Stuckley was pretty good in this game as he had 27 points. He got five personal fouls, though. So that means the Wolves guards did something right in this game. Three assists, two rebounds, a steal, and a block for Rodney Stuckey. Um, Hayes only got to play 10 minutes in this game for Detroit. I'm don't really not really familiar with him, I hate to say. Only four points, one for five from the floor. He just wasn't really a factor. Um, Tayshawn Prince, 
probably the main focus for Detroit as he was. He shot the ball the most times. He only made 5 of 15, so not so good. Only a third of his shots went in. 15 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. McDice, 6 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 personal fouls. So, okay. That's great. The bench players, not really much to mention for Detroit in that category. But, uh, yeah, the Wolves had some fun out there in this game as they took a 30-18 to lead in the first quarter, only to pretty much not do so great after that as they only had 19 points in the second quarter to Detroit's 26. Uh, they won the third quarter 21-23, to but then got demolished 29-18 to in the fourth. Detroit still the better team, even with a lineup of players that most people have never heard of, uh, with the exceptions of uh, McDice and Tayshaun Prince. You know, Theo Rattler, people have heard of him, but, uh, you know, he's kind of kind of a dead player at this point. Yarich shot the ball well. He played 40 minutes again, tons of playing time. He only shot the ball four times, and he made three of his shots. That's pretty good, two of three from three-point range. He had 10 points, three assists, six rebounds, so... You know, Yarich, oh, good. oh goody, nothing amazing out of that, but he did make his shots, so that's something worth mentioning. Um, Randy Foy, he getting into foul trouble again. And, yeah, with his 18 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, he was a minus 16 in the game. Worst on the team. Now, I know I pile on Randy Foy, but that's partially because I like him, you know, and I really want him to do better than this. You know, I, he's the guy I wanted in the draft. I will admit that. Back in 2006 when the whole, when we took Brandon Roy, I was like, oh, no, I wanted Randy Foy. And then they made the trade, and I was all excited. Um, and we all know that Brandon Roy has been playing better so far. So I'm I'm hoping Randy Foy's got more to offer next year. I really am hoping for the best there. Is he has a good summer, and he stays healthy, most importantly. But, yeah, the player of the game for the Wolves was Al Jefferson, who made 9 of 12 from the floor. 9 of 12, including 8 of 11 free throws. So getting to the free throw line, Al, that's very good to see. 26 points and 7 rebounds, so he didn't really hit the boards too much. Despite Detroit only shooting 40% from the floor, so mm, that's not the greatest. But uh, multiple Wolves rebounding in this game. Uh, I mean, I mean... It was more of a team, I mean, uh, more of a team effort in the rebounding category on this night. Is, uh, yeah, Foy with, uh, Foy with five rebounds, Yarish with six, Jefferson seven, Gomes seven, Brewer six. You know, you had Craig Smith and Chris Richard contribute with four apiece. And, uh, even McCann's getting three, that's nice, and Snyder with his two. So, um, it's good to see there's at least a team effort in that category. But, um, Nobody really stood out in this game other than uh, Stuckey and Al Jefferson. Gomes with 9.7 rebounds, kind of about what you would have expected from Ryan Jones before he started showing he's a little better than that. Uh, Brewer, back in the starting lineup with 10 points and 6 rebounds. That's the main thing to note of him, though. Four personal fouls in about 28 minutes. Kirk Snyder, unfortunately not starting anymore, unfortunately for him. But he was a plus 9. So tied with Marco Yarich for the top uh, the top stat in that category. Uh, McCann, Craig Smith, and Richard, you know, all about, you know, 15 to 18 minutes. Nothing spectacular out of any of them. McCann, so they had two points in this game and one of nine from the floor. Take a hint, Rashad, stop shooting the ball so much when you're not making them. Same for Craig Smith, who was only two of ten from the floor. 
Whew. So, yeah, there's a reason the Wolves lost this game. They're just inconsistent players, too many inconsistent players, uh, too many guys shooting the ball when they're cold. That's frustrating. And, of course, the Wolves go to Utah the next night, get beat 117 to 100. Just another Utah Jazz butt kicking. It seems like every time we play Utah, we get creamed. And Utah led the whole game. Uh, Minnesota actually outscored them 28 to 26 in the fourth quarter. That's great. So the third quarter was the story of the game as the Jazz scored 38 to the Wolves 22. Just an absolute drubbing. Um, here's kind of a crazy thing to see. Marco Yarich in the top performer column. Wow. I, that's something I don't really see too often. 18 points, 8 assists, 3 steals, and 5 rebounds. Excellent game for Yarich, who was 6 of 10 from the floor, so above 50%. Again, good job, Marco Yarich. And hard for me to say that, but I am. 42 minutes in the game as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not too excited to see him playing that much, but he's doing a good job. That's the Yarich Wolves fans are probably hoping to see back when they made that awful trade for Sam Cassell and a first-round pick. Huh. And a six-year contract with Yarich. Yeah, that's sexy stuff. No, no, his, his 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 girlfriend is the only one that fits that category, Adriana Lima. But anyhow, Randy Foy, with about 33 minutes, 15 points, six assists, four turnovers. Mm, you know, if, I understand he's going to get turnovers, and um, I just hope somehow, some way, he can get better at that. He did get six assists, though. That's nice to see, at least. Jefferson does not play well against the Utah Jazz. It's, it seems every time, you know, he just doesn't seem to do much against them. He played about 28 minutes, 5 of 13 from the floor, 12 points, 12 points, and two rebounds. I don't know what happened there. I really don't. Two rebounds for Al Jefferson. Ryan Gomes, who had the worst plus-minus of the game, a minus 23, 5 of 7 from the floor. Go figure. Go figure. Um, 11 points, 5 assists. That's cool. With 4 rebounds. You know, Brewer, 4 of 9 from the floor. He was the other starter, of course. 12 points. He had 3 steals. So a nice defensive effort for Corey Brewer. That is, of course, what he is potentially going to bring to this team. Is This young man on the fast break, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to get a steal and then go on the break. He has an explosiveness to him. He shows flashes of what he really could be. If he can be a more consistent finisher on the break, this guy's going to be a pretty fun player to watch. Uh, that's why I wanted him so badly. Last year going into the draft, when I, you know, watching him on Florida, when that's exactly what he did. As he was able to finish, of course, in the college game, it's a matter of him adjusting to the pro game. And if he can do that, he's going to be a pretty good player because he can explode on the open floor. Kirk Snyder probably his worst shooting night on the Wolves so far. In about 26 minutes, only one of five from the floor, six points. So, mm. Rashad McCants, not bad off the bench in only 19 minutes. Amasses 17 points with six of 11 from the floor, along with three of five in three-point range. So, McCants, nice game, but nothing great. Um, but really the overall player of the game, Deron Williams, with 19 points, 14 assists, three steals. Just beautiful game for Deron Williams. He absolutely is a, a star. And um, the guy I want the Wolves to get in the draft, Derek Rose, uh, is there's been multiple comparisons to Deron Williams. And uh, a guy like that on the Wolves roster would make a big, big, big difference for this team. 
Um, the only, well, the other player of major note on Utah was Mamedo Kerr, 22.7 rebounds, two assists, and a block. Mamedo Kerr, a very valuable player, and yeah, four of seven from three-point range. He is just, he's the kind of guy who's got so many different aspects, you know, to his game. So many different talents. Uh, he he reminds me of um, uh, Adridas, uh, oh, excuse me, Adridas Sabonis a little bit, as yeah, a big man who can who can do multiple things, including hitting the three point shot. Despite the fact he's seven two, he's a nice European center who's got a lot of talent. Um, but that's pretty much the case or the the end of the story for that game. Utah, much better team, division champions by the way. So Utah's going to have some home court advantage in the playoffs. And here is the ass-whooping of the week, I guess you could call it. The real game of the week was the Detroit game. But, uh, yeah, 117-88. to <laughs> The Wolves absolutely destroyed by the Phoenix Suns on this particular night of April the 5th. And, um, yeah, just a, a nasty week for the Wolves. And this one absolutely emphasized that. Michael Doliak making a rare start in this game. 12-6 from the floor in 12 and a half minutes. Eh. <laughs> you know, he's Michael Doliak. You don't really expect much out of him. Jefferson, respectable numbers. Very good numbers. Though he did shoot the ball 26 times in this game. Only made 11 of them. Um, 24 of 12 from the floor or in the game. And that's not bad at all. Those are some nice Kevin Garnett type of numbers. So uh, all you guys out there that uh, want to say Jefferson isn't Kevin Garnett, well, statistically he's pretty close except in the assist area. So don't think that Al Jefferson isn't franchise player material. I think he can be. Absolutely. Randy Foy, awful again. Awful again, along with Marco Yarich. These guys are shooting the ball too much, man. Six of 15 for Marco Yarich. Yeah, it's like you finally have a couple games where Yarich is a steady player, because he's shooting the ball, you know, oh, five to seven, like five to nine times, and he's making them. But, yeah, 15 times, and he only makes six. Just, come on, man. I don't want to watch that crap. I really don't. He did get four assists and six rebounds, so multi-dimensional numbers in that area. Randy Foy shooting the ball 16 times and making four of them? Come on. That absolutely sucks. That absolutely sucks. That is, That is 25%, man. Come on. Take a hint. If you're not making your shots, chill out. You're not Michael Jordan. For crying out loud. Only three assists, though Randy Foy, no turnovers. That's good news. Did get one steal, whoop de doo and uh, three personal fouls, minus 25 from the floor, but still not as bad as Al Jefferson and Ryan Gomes, who were minus 26 for Jefferson, minus 27 for Gomes. So Gomes has not been good in that category at all of you, of, of late. Um with Doliak starting, Brewer slid to the bench, but still played about 28 minutes, two of six from the floor. Not so good. Five points. Two steals, though. Three rebounds. Eh, you know, he's slowly coming along. I really hope Corey Brewer can develop going into next year. I really do. It's been a major struggle for this team. Really major struggle with some of these young guys. Just not, Just not... Coming up to their potential right now, Brewer and Yarich, uh, Brewer and Foy, absolutely, absolutely a part of that. And um, they're going to be major keys going into next year, hoping for some improvement, some development, and some um, obviously added strength to Corey Brewer's body as he is a stringy, stringy person, very skinny. 
McCants, again, another guy shooting the ball way, way too much. 3 of 12. This is the Phoenix Suns, by the way, and we're only shooting 38% as a team. The Phoenix Suns are not exactly the San Antonio Spurs defensively or the Detroit Pistons or the Celtics, any of those type of teams. The Suns are known for allowing points, and the Wolves just shot like, you know, (laughs) they shot like a construction company. They're just laying bricks all night. Garbage. Absolute garbage. Absolute garbage for the third time. Sorry. (laughs) Craig Smith, the one-plus player on the team. I don't know how he was. He must have been playing during a good run or something. Plus four from the floor. Three of four from the field or court or whatever. Eight points. Whoop-de-doo. Story of the game, Amari Stoudemire. Some butt-kicking as always. 24 points, nine rebounds. He always comes out and kicks our butt. Grant Hill with a double-double, 16 and 10. Uh, Steve Nash, 14 and 11, the 11 being assists. The Shackinator, not playing too much in this game, only about 22 minutes. Got two blocks and 11 rebounds. Those are his main numbers there. Leonardo Barbosa, of course, a big factor off the bench. Him and Diaw getting playing time. Um, 5 of 11 for Barbosa, 3 of 4 for Diaw. Good games for them. And Girasek. Changing face, changing places again. He's been on so many teams already. He's been on the Magic. He's been on the Jazz. He's been on the the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. He's on the Suns. Okay, where where's he going to go next? Minnesota. Well, we'll see. This game's just a complete piece of crap game. <laughs> it's just uh, total crap. I. It's just pretty much say. That's pretty much all there is to say about that. And uh, mercifully, <laughs> the end of this. <laughs> The end of uh, this review of the Wolves Week comes on <laughs> comes on Sunday, the sixth of April, and yeah, we got beat by twelve points by the Memphis Grizzlies. Only have twenty or only have twenty one wins to the Wolves nineteen. So good, go Memphis! Thank you for that. As uh, we need a little bit more chips in our uh, on, on the table for that draft lottery for the Derrick Rose or. Um, Michael Beasley Foundation. <laughs> we need one of those players. We need them so bad. Please move up in the draft for the first time ever. And yeah, ever. You know, I think I think we're a little due for this. Mike Miller, the story of the game by far, is just kicking some major butt in this game. Thirty-four points, six assists, ten rebounds for Mike Miller, the shooting guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. A very, very good player that people don't talk about too much. A little bit here and there. Mike Conley, a guy I was really, really high on going into the draft last year. Not very spectacular numbers this year at all. Um, he's just un- undeveloped. He's very young. So Memphis has a has some gems on their roster, I think, despite the fact the record sucks. They have a chance to be pretty good in the next couple of years with uh, the likes of Conley, Gay, and Warwick, Rudy Gay, and Hakeem Warwick. Um, they have a chance to be pretty solid. Obviously, they're going to get another big-time player. Maybe they'll get the number one pick and um, land Beasley or something. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, Rudy Gay, the other main factor for Memphis, 23 points, six assists, three steals, three steals, nine rebounds in 40 minutes, big-time. Warwick adding 20 also. Uh, the Wolves... Not really much going on with their with their game much. I mean, uh, it was more, the good part is it looks like there was more of uh, the ball spread around in this game. Um, Yarich, the worst player in this game for the Wolves, minus 18, 3 of 8 from the floor, only 6 points. 
But he did amass five assists, and he's continuing to rebound the ball with four. Not too bad for a shooting guard or point guard, whatever the heck he is. Randy Foy shoots 50%, ladies and gentlemen. News flash, and he was the top plus minus on the roster. So Randy Foy, at least showing some development, is really that's all this year is. That's why I talk about these players like this, like I'm kind of big on stats and stuff. That's why I'm not just ripping them, because they're not supposed to win these games, folks. They're not supposed to go out and win. 43 games. I'm not going to just come on here and say they suck, they suck, they suck. I'm, I like to a- analyze these players more as um, it's our future, or we hope it is. Void getting 17 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds, but, of course, 5 personal fouls. Again, you know, having some trouble with uh, the Mike Millers and the Michael Conleys, I believe. So that's, that's going to happen. That's going to happen, especially Mike Miller on this night. Jefferson, 18.8 rebounds, though he did turn the ball over four times, so not the greatest night for him. Uh, though he did shoot 7 of 10 from the floor, that is the good part. Ryan Gomes, again, the the biggest minus, actually. I was wrong. Ryan Gomes tops Marco Yarich. He was a minus 19. That's a little frustrating. I don't know what's, what's his deal. 7 of 15 from the floor, shooting a lot, making his free throws at least, 5 of 7. He did have 19 points, so he was the leading scorer, but yeah, he shot the ball a lot. Brewer pretty much just, you know, 20 minutes, 1 of 4 from the floor. It's just kind of a Corey Brewer type of game, you know, slow development. We'll see what happens. Kirk Snyder, excellent off the bench, 5 of 6 with 11 points. Again, I can't say enough. Kirk Snyder's probably going to come back, I would think. I would think the Wolves are going to make that move, so someone's going to be going at some point. Uh, and here again, this just more emphasis on McCants, though he was a plus 5 in the game. He shot 7 of 17 from the floor and 2 of 7 from three-point range. Just more gunning and gunning and gunning and gunning. That's all he does. Craig Smith, the top plus-minus player of the game with a plus 7, was 8 and 8. 8 rebounds, 8 points, but nothing spectacular overall. Four personal fouls in 19 minutes. So that's the Wolves. That's the that's the week. 0 for 4. Some ugly stuff. Nothing exciting about the Wolves other than just Hope for the best. Continue developing. As uh, there was a game against Charlotte last night, we lost 121 to 119. That will be saved for next week's show, of course. So, um, so we need to keep just going in that cycle. Uh, there are a mere six games remaining in the season. So, just some more farm club development time for the likes of Corey Brewer, Kirk Snyder, uh, Foy, and others. So, gotta wish these guys the best. Gotta hope for the best for more continue, excuse me, continued development. Got to get a Derrick Rose. Got to get a Jerome Beasley. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if maybe Tyler Hansborough. Who 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 knows what's going to happen to this team? Is obviously the draft is the main focus for this team, not the win loss column. <laughs> so. It's, uh, it's probably going to be the case next year, but you're going to have at least some big-name rookie on this roster next year. I hope and pray to God it is Derrick Rose. As um, I think the Wolves will gladly make some adjustments moving forward to shooting guard or whatever, training somebody. So it's all all a big question still with this team. And with that, that's going to conclude the Sports Talk and Paladino Live Episode 9. I hope you enjoyed it. I apologize if it's, like, a little long. It's an hour, but that's just the way it's going to go. As This is a multidimensional show. We're not going to just talk about one team and one topic. So we we, we got to go a little long. I hope it's not been too long for you listeners out there. 
I hope you enjoy what I do. So, and those of you that do enjoy what I do, please tell your friends. Continue to tell your friends. Get people to subscribe on iTunes so you can continue downloading and um, we can get this thing afloat. Got to get this thing afloat. Got to get the sports stuff afloat. Um, again, my YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. YouTube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. Check it out. Comments. If you have a uh, YouTube account, give me a comment. Subscribe there as well. We need some more subscribers. I have about 78. That's not bad. It's not bad considering I haven't made a single game review in almost three months. Um, again, I've been delaying on that because just I've not been feeling good. I just have not felt good all winter, it seems like. And just don't have much energy for that. When uh, I, I want to keep the show going for now, the, the radio show. That's my top priority right now. So we'll see what happens. And I hope there aren't too many delays as we get into the spring cleanup time. I hope I don't miss shows. We'll see what happens. It's all up in the air right now. But um, expect me to continue this on a weekly basis, as I definitely want to do that. I don't want to miss weeks, as that's not good for the future of this show or for thesportstuff.com, as you want to get more and more new shows updated over and over again. We don't want to just be a stale market. So that's the bit. Sign up on thesportstuff.com boards or the TSS boards, whatever. Sign up. Do some chit-chatting. We'd love to get you. We'd love to get you on board and meet you and get to know you. So all of you out there, take care and have a good week. (laughs) 